Welcome to the Social Pros Podcast, the content marketing awards winner for best marketing podcast. This is where we shine the spotlight on real people doing real work in social media and learn the social secrets of the world's most interesting brands. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, social media strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your social better. Emma, which provides innovative email marketing tools that drive brilliant results. Salesforce Marketing Cloud, inspiring one-to-one connections with your customers with integrated solutions for social, mobile, email, web, and advertising. And Yext, whose award-winning location management platform helps companies of all sizes drive more foot traffic to their doors. With Yext, update your location data once and publish it to your website, apps, over 100 publishers, including Google, Apple Maps, Facebook, Bing, and Yahoo. That's the power of location. That's Yext. Your Social Pros co-hosts are Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud and Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. Ready? Let's get to work. Welcome, everybody, to episode 215 of Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined, as usual, by the executive strategist of Salesforce Marketing Cloud. He is my special Texas friend, the one, the only, Mr. Adam Brown. Jay, 215. Now, I'm sorry, I haven't been a part of this esteemed project for all of those, but that is an impressive number. Congratulations to you and, and the entire Convince and Convert team. That's, that, that's incredible. It's a long time. It's a long yeah. time. Uh, you know, and, the, and the list of folks who have been on the show uh, really is a, uh, a murderer's row of awesome. So <laughs> we're delighted to continue to do it. Uh, just this week, we got a notice, uh, Adam and I, that the show was named one of the six podcasts that marketers should be listening to by our friends at Hootsuite. So thank you very much to those guys yes, for absolutely. acknowledging the show. Also on that show was a podcast that we don't think uh, typically as a marketing show, This American Life. So kind of amazing to be uh, to be mentioned even alongside those guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I am no Ira Glass. Uh, may, maybe you, Jay. Not at all, but uh, Ira Glass is one of the reasons I started doing this show yeah. uh, a long time ago. So to even be in the same uh, in the same blog post, as it were, uh, we'll take it. Now, this is going to be a particularly amazing episode, episode 215, because we have not just one, not just two, <laughs> but three former DJs on the line on this particular program. Adam, of course, was a DJ in his uh, earlier years, his formative years, as the kids say, as was I. And our special guest on the show this week was also a DJ at one point. He is the one and only Mr. Martin Jones, who's the Senior Marketing Manager for Cox Communications. MJ, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be on show number 215. That is well, incredible. It shouldn't have taken us that long to get you on the show, <laughs> but I'm glad that you took one for the team. Now, you got to let us in on a little uh, behind the scenes or hashtag BTS, as the kids say. Uh, on your recent dental emergency, I mean, we almost didn't oh get to gosh. do this show because you went through the the the, the dental gauntlet. I, I will tell you what's funny is the surgery was literally the day before I was on your panel at Social Media Marketing World, and uh, that went very smoothly. Um, needless to say, stay away from Jolly Ranchers, especially when you get to be my age. They apparently don't do well with your teeth. Um, but it happened the day before. Everything was fine when I left for Social Media Marketing World. was there the first couple of days. Um, 
the day after I woke up and felt like I had a golf ball in the side of my my mouth, <laughs> and uh, and things went things went wrong from there. We've kind of been battling that every since. I don't want to get into all the details, but um, they had to do a little bit of grafting, and apparently my body didn't like that real well. Wow. So we've been fighting that wow. and trying to get it under control. Well, we were going to have Jolly Rancher uh, sponsor the next <laughs> uh, season of Social Pros, but I guess we can kiss that goodbye. Thanks very much, Martin. That's, That's probably at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Still love the candies. They're, love they're, the candies. But... <laughs> Not a great sponsor. Fantastic. So tell us, now obviously, uh, Adam and I both have lived uh, in various uh, points of our lives in, in Cox Communications markets, where Cox is the dominant provider of, uh, of television and internet and telephone and all those things. But other folks may not have uh, had that experience. Can you uh, give our listeners a little sense of, of what Cox does and the many tentacles of the organization? Sure. Uh, Cox Communications itself, obviously the third largest telecommunications provider in the country, so internet, phone, and video. And we do that both for the residential uh, residential community as well as business. Um, so where a lot of people are really familiar what we do on the residential side with cable and internet and such, uh, a lot more people might not be familiar what we do on the business side. Um, so for instance, give you a couple of examples. Uh, for anyone who's been to CES and the convention center in Las Vegas, that was wired by Cox and is, is a property where Cox has high-speed internet. So when you're using the hotspots and things of that nature, um, you're on that Cox, uh, uh, Cox uh, system. Uh, same if you were in Phoenix, here in Phoenix, and you went to a football game at Cardinal Stadium. Uh, or visited one of the university campuses. Um, so it's very diverse what they do uh, and covers a lot of different properties. And as a former Phoenician, I couldn't be happier about that, especially the Cardinals. My team got a steal in the recent uh, NFL draft bottom of the first round, and I will actually be back uh, in Phoenix in just a couple of days. I'm going to be there the day before I come see Adam uh, at Connections, which we'll talk about in a minute. I'm doing oh, a, a presentation there for uh, Arizona State University. Uh, which is not my alma mater. Uh, it is the enemy of my alma mater. My son has said, you should wear a U of A hat to the presentation. And I said, well, their check hasn't cleared yet, so I'm going to not do that. I'm going to not do that. Um, one of the things that I think is fascinating about your role is that it is so all-encompassing. So when you talk about senior marketing manager, I mean, you've got a lot of, a lot of irons in the fire, right? So you've got uh, a very popular blog, which you're kind of shifting to a digital magazine. I want to, I want to have you talk about that. Uh, you've got social, you've got events, you've got an influencer program, you've got employee advocacy. I mean, you have the totality of, of modern uh, sort of internet marketing uh, experiences. Talk about that and, and sort of how you figure out what to do. Sure, sure. So, so how this came about, I guess, is probably a good place to start. I was working on the residential side with social media, uh, and we'd grown that pretty well. We were up over, you know, over a million followers on Facebook. We were doing a lot of different things, uh, and I happened to be in a meeting, and one of the topics in that meeting was really talking about Cox Business, and uh, somebody had brought up the, the the fact that when one of the sales reps goes out and knocks on a door or makes a cold call, um, the odds are the person that they're talking to is already in a contract and going to be in a contract for the next few months up to the next few years. Uh, and they were talking about, you know, how do we maintain contact with them? How, instead of you know, waiting two and a half years saying, hi, remember me? I knocked on your door two and a half years ago um, when that contract's coming up. They were talking about, you know, how do we maintain a relationship during that time? How do we have continue to have dialogue with them? We don't want to inundate them with mail or with email. Uh, and so I brought up social media and content marketing uh, as a great way to do that. 
And they'd ask them questions about, you know, how would we do that? What would that look like? So I put together just kind of an outline of a plan of if I was in Cox business, if I was going to do that, here's what I would do. Uh, and one of the ideas was the, to have this content hub or blog, uh, Cox Blue. And so they really liked the idea, and I actually initially started doing it just kind of off the side of my desk. Um, but we saw some great results with that, and we got some traction and started growing and starting getting noticed. Uh, and they were doing a lot of events. In fact, Cox Business, between the, the corporate office and the local office, does over 500 different events a year across the country. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. And so people were looking, how do we promote those? How do we start to engage with people around those and using social media? So we started doing some of that. And it just continued to grow uh, and evolve as time went on into what it has become today, um, which is, as you mentioned, several different pieces. We've got the influencer program. We've got an employee advocacy program. Uh, we've got the the what was the blog, which has now turned into more of a content hub or portal. Uh, and, and just a lot of different pieces moving. Talk about coxblue.com, which, which is the, the portal. Uh, why, why do you do that? Who, who's the audience and, and how do you figure out what kind of content to put on a site like that? Sure. That, that's been kind of a challenge for us. Um, as I mentioned, when you, when you look at our business, we have a lot of different, uh, a lot of different verticals and a lot of different interests. So we serve customers from small business and startups, uh, all the way through to municipalities. And as I mentioned, like a, someone like the stadium or the convention center, uh, we also work a lot with, uh, with education, uh, digital health campuses and healthcare campuses and organizations. So how, when we looked at it, it's, it's how do you, how do you really, uh, attack content for all those different groups, but make it kind of interesting for everyone. Um, and we found that was going to be a little bit difficult. So what we did initially for the first year was we really focused a lot on small business and startups. Um, but we noticed a lot of our, our the, the people that were customers and visitors that were in our other verticals were coming to the site and saying, hey, is there any chance you're going to be putting something up there on healthcare or on IT that's more technical for me? And we kept looking at ways to doing that. And we knew that we would have to build that out quite a bit um, to achieve that. So we really started focusing last year on first finding content developers in each one of these different verticals and trying to find the best people that we could uh, to create content for us in, in those verticals. And it took us a little while. It took us a few months to put that together, but we were able to find and identify these people through a variety of sources. And so we started building the content but then if you if if you're pushing that content out on just a blog it doesn't make sense to one day to be talking very deep about you know digital health and the next day how to how to get your startup off the ground and so that was a bit challenging for us until actually uh, we discovered uberflip and we started looking at uberflip and saying you know here's a way that we can actually set all of our content up in streams we can direct traffic and people directly to the streams that interest them and we can cover all of our verticals uh, so actually just about it's been just about a month, month and a half ago that we made a transition over and we incorporated Uberflip into the site. We started building out all those different, all those different streams and the results have been great. We've actually seen uh, traffic almost double in just the last month as a result of that. Uh, we're seeing a, a, a lot of great things from it. We're just going to continue to move down that path. Oh, that's fantastic. We love those guys. And Uberflip, uh, Randy Frisch, who's their co-founder, is one of the co-hosts of our sister podcast, Content Pros, which was not mentioned in the same blog post as This American Life, but it's a damn good show anyway, and you should absolutely tune in for their show. Martin, you talked about sort of the initial focus on, on small business. You've got your own podcast, the Get Started podcast, 
um, which is actually sort of a roving kind of circus podcast, which is amazing. Uh, I'm probably not doing it justice with the circus podcast reference, but it actually takes place in different locations around the country. It's kind of like Shark Tank, but podcast. I love the concept. Can you can you explain kind of how that gets produced and uh, and and what you're looking to achieve with it? Sure, we're we're doing two parts of that. So that podcast actually hasn't launched live yet. We've recorded the first five of those. Um, we've had some terrific people in there. Um, how that came about initially was uh, a lot of times when we're doing the different events or we're out at different conferences, you're sitting around and you kind of hear the backstories of how people got in, you know, started their business, got their business going. Uh, and when they're, when they tend to be at the conferences on stage, a lot of it's, you know, here's what I'm doing now. Here's how, why, why we're successful or, or current projects and things. What we really liked was that backstory of the challenges and things that they went through. So we do a live event called Get Started, and it's very similar to, to, to a live version of the Shark Tank. And we go into different cities across the country. Uh, the first step of that is that we have people uh, pitch us online uh, their, idea, their business idea, what they'd like to do, what they'd like to start, uh, or maybe just something for an existing business that they would like to change. Uh, and we usually get anywhere from 60 to maybe 80 people that, uh, that will pitch us online. Out of that, we narrow down to five different five to six people who are going to be pitching live at that event. Uh, we talk a lot with chambers of commerce and local business community leaders. We do some social media marketing to to drive people to the event, and we usually have about three to four hundred people in the audience. And then we have four to five guest panelists or judges who are going to pick the winner, just like what you see on Shark Tank. And the winner walks away with uh, with ten thousand dollars in in a prize package at the end of the night. And we're doing 14 to 15 of those a year right now. They're really incredible. Um, but it, it's, it's a great opportunity for us, especially in social media, for a lot of reasons and a lot of ways. Um, one, we, tend, we try to take anywhere from 10 to 12, 15 of our different uh, social media ambassadors and influencers with us to each one of the events. They have an opportunity to network with these small business owners, these people that are in startups, um, really give them some hands-on, uh, you know, uh, person-to-person advice on, on things that will help them and help them grow and drive their business. We usually bring in a a marketing or social media speaker or author to be one of our panelists and do a, a keynote at the beginning of the event um, to, to provide some education and provide additional value for the event. It's an incredible networking event. But now what we're doing also with Get Started is we're getting the backstories of each one of those five people that are there that have had their startup, had their small business and telling them, telling us what they did to get there and how they're becoming successful and how they're continuing to grow their business. And it's very exciting. We're looking forward to it. But we also intermix that with some other folks um, getting their stories on on the businesses that they've started and been involved with. We had uh, Scott Harrison from from Charity Water, um, Bert Jacobs from Life is Good, Randy Zuckerberg, obviously from Facebook, um, and, and a couple others that we've already recorded. And we're excited to get this started and get it out. Oh, it's fantastic that, that you worked with Scott. I'm actually doing a live version of Social Pros uh, with Scott in the charity office, uh, Charity Water offices in New York. Uh, in just a couple of weeks, so really, really fired up to uh, to do a show uh, with him, and he's an amazing guy. And Charity Water is just a remarkable organization that uh, that I'm personally putting a, a lot of resources behind. We'll be talking about it on that episode uh, how Social Pros listeners can uh, can participate and, and help um, uh, build some some wells for people who do not have clean water in other parts of the world. Absolutely. That, that's terrific. We're actually looking at doing the same. I, I've got to tell you real quickly this story with him. He was really a catalyst for that podcast. Um, I happened to be at, a, at an Inc. event uh, and was waiting to meet a friend of mine outside a conference hall. And I, I 
kind of just took a peek inside, saw the conference room was pretty big. So I thought, oh, I'll just go stand in the back for a minute. I've got another 10 minutes before this person's going to show up. And uh, and Scott Harrison was up on stage speaking, never heard of him, had never seen him before. Um, needless to say, I was about an hour late meeting meeting my friend uh, because it was just an incredible talk um, that really, really moved you. Um, there was no way to listen to him talk and tell his story and walk away and not be changed and say, I've got to do something here. Um, and so that was really when I went back to our organization and said, listen, I want you to hear this story. I shared Scott videos and I said, but look, at there's more stories out there just like this. And these are the stories that we need to share with people. Yeah, he, he really is a remarkable, a remarkable guy and, and a fantastic speaker. If you ever get a chance to, to see him and take that opportunity, uh, I promise you. Um, one of the things that you and I have talked about in the past, and, and I think we might have even kicked this around at a social fresh conference at one point, is this, is this move from what you have been doing uh, at Cox Business, which is sort of renting attention in social networks, as, as many people have, um, whether it's you know, Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter. And, and now you're trying to move more of your digital and social assets to channels that, that provide reliable reach, things that allow you to actually be more linear with your calls to action and with your outcomes. Can you talk about that transformation and kind of how that works in practice? Yeah, that's it, that's been kind of a challenge for us. Um, one of the things that happened is we, with with the growth that we saw on Facebook and on the residential side, and a lot of the exciting things that took place there, um, we got very, you know, our organization and people within the organization were very excited about the numbers. When you're growing a Facebook page, for instance, to over a million fans, that's exciting. But when we start looking back and saying, you know, what is this actually doing for our business? Um, we start looking at long term and saying, you know, a year from now, two years from now, or three years from year, years from now, how much? What's going to matter to us? And really, at the end of the day, what we found and what we what we know matters is really being able to connect with uh, people within our audience, connect with people within our footprint, and really cause people to take action. So we started focusing this year um, not so much on those you know fan acquisition tactics and things of that nature, but really how can we find a reliable reach? How do how can we communicate through social channels where we have a, a pretty good certainty that we're going to reach the person we're trying to talk to. Um, We don't have that with a lot of the social media platforms like Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and such. We're hitting an audience. We don't know necessarily if they're in our footprint or not. We don't, we can't really tell, you know, with organic reach being down to, you know, one to 2% on on Facebook and Twitter and and others, um, we're not necessarily going to hit them. So we said, if we're going to put the budget into this, if we're going to put the time and resources into this, we really need to ensure that we're, we're getting to people, that we're engaging with them. And we're having conversations with them, um, and and that we can activate them, and so that's what we've really focused on this year is that reliable reach. And I think if if you try to figure out what reliable reach is, I guess it really goes back to permission based marketing. Is people have given us permission to market to them and talk to them, whether that be through them subscribing to the podcast, subscribing to a newsletter, uh, subscribing to a video channel. That's the thing that we're focused on. And I think also part of that is really saying is not so much focusing on the the, the platforms, again, the, the, the big social media platforms, but really focusing more on the tactics. For instance, for us, we didn't say, look at um, live video and say, oh, we've got to get on Meerkat. Oh, no, we've got to get on Periscope. We've got to get on Facebook Live. We said... We want to do video. We know live video is going to continue to grow and live streaming video. And so we looked at it more from a standpoint of which one of these platforms is going to make the best sense for the most sense for us. And what if we look at 
doing this for the next two or three years, where do we need to be and what kind of video product um, can we develop to, to share with our audience? And so we look at it a little bit differently now. Martin, I love this content first kind of strategy that you're, you're talking about. And I think sometimes as marketers, we, we, we forget kind of a couple of things that you, you just brought up. We, we, you know, if, if I look back and let's pretend that I'm a small medium business owner and, you know, I'm, I'm considering or my current Cox uh, business customer, you know, if, if I look back, I've, I haven't had a relationship, quote unquote, with my telecommunications uh, company up to this point. It's just been an open slot, you know, kind of in the, in, in the time shift. And I think you, you articulated it perfectly that if, if, if Cox Business or anyone is going to come in and fulfill that slot, we need to make sure that we're, we're adding content of, of value. And, you know, the, the ideas that you've been kind of talking about with making the content very vertical uh, focused and, and kind of changing the mix. My question for you is, do you kind of generally agree with that? And kind of what are you finding is, is working from a content development standpoint? Are there specific topics? Are there specific that are kind of, you know, vertical agnostic that seem to be working? In other words, are you finding that your audience is kind of like all of us becoming a little bit more acute and understanding of social and digital media and media and communications and that you're now have the ability to, to make those stories and topics and advice that you're providing more complex. Yeah. I, th- I think one of the things that, well, I know one of the things that really worked for us well was uh, the first year we were really looking at, at things from a standpoint of what are interesting topics? What's interesting to, to, to us? I think as marketers, we have a tendency to sit in a room with other marketers and our, our teams, though, and, and, and think that we know exactly what our audience wants. Uh, and we did that for the first year. And we said, oh, they'll be interested in this. You know, this is, this is, this is a big trend. We've got to talk about this or that. And we'd create content around that. When we got into marketing, uh, our first steps into marketing automation, we started working with some folks, and they said, "You know, do you mind if we reach out to some of your customers and some of your your the people that are visiting the site and ask them, you know, what do you think of our content? What could we do more of? What what should we be talking about?" And the results of that was results of that were pretty eye opening. We were missing uh, a large part of what people really wanted, and one of the things that really came out of that was they 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 kept coming back to us was people saying, "We like the content. It's in." interesting. We just really don't know what to do with it. Um, it's great, you know, it's, but it was kind of, and we, we, we started thinking, well, gosh, is our content just fluff? You know, we know it's interesting, but if people can't use it for anything, what, what good is that? So we made a conscious decision last year and said, let's, make, let's change all of our content to actionable content. If we're going to create a piece of content, we need to be able to, at the end or the tag on the video, at the end of that, be able to say, here's what you can do with this bullet point one, two, and three, and you can do it today. And we started doing that immediately with all of our content and the results were immediate. Um, we really very quickly saw the traffic grow. We saw the page views grow. People were going deeper into the content. They were coming back. Uh, and so we've continued on with that and really focused on making sure that all of our content is actionable. And I'm a huge fan of the, the concept of actionable content and, and basically anything actionable, taking the data and the insights that you have and, 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 and doing just that. And I think one of the important things that I'd love to hear your thoughts on is not only making the content actionable for your audience, but also kind of on the back end, making sure that you know, your sharing of that insights, uh, actionable insights, is actually actionable 
in, in on the inside of your company, and in this case, to Cox Business. So I'd love to hear how you're kind of using the analytics and the other things that kind of emanate from this content you're sharing to share, whether it's you know you informing your communications and marketing content to improve it, whether it's you're sharing that insight with the, the business teams and the sales teams or other parts of your organization. Absolutely. We've shared that. And what that's really transitioned to is us being really in a support role um, for the agencies that we work with and all of the different departments. So um, one of the things that we've done, I guess the answer to that question is... We're, we have now opened up, we just recently built out an editorial calendar. Um, we're usually, we're trying to stay about 30 to 45 days out on our content, or at least the themes for our content. And we've opened that up to all the different departments. So our public affairs folks, our sales teams, uh, our marketing, our branding folks can all see the calendar and see the things that we're working on. And the opportunity there is that they can then also give us their input. So for instance, uh, this week right now, we're in the middle of small business week. Uh, we've got a lot of different things going on in our corporate office office, as well as our local field offices. And people were able to go in and look at the calendar and see, here's what we've going on. We've got going on or planned for content and social media. And people were able to say, look, I'm working on this thing for Small Business Week. I think this makes sense. and would go along really well with what you're doing. Um, and they would contribute that. And so we built out around that. And then what we really focus on with each of these different tactics, each of the different things that we're doing is we've moved away from trying to get really a general picture of an ROI on social media. I think, you know, asking for an ROI on social media is like asking for an ROI on a billboard. It's very difficult to get just a, an overall picture. And we're really started focusing on the on the the measurements and the success measurements for each individual tactic. So for example, if if we send out an email and it doesn't doesn't work, you know, we just don't see the open rate, we don't see the click-throughs, it just doesn't work, that doesn't mean that we're going to stop doing email. Uh, same thing with a Facebook ad. We've had Facebook ads that I've put out. I've, we've placed them. Uh, they took a lot of tweaking, but they certainly didn't work at first. Um, that doesn't mean we quit putting, you know, quit with Facebook ads. It means that one in particular didn't work. And we try to learn from that and say, you know, what caused it not to work? How can we fix that in the future? And we go back and continue to refine. So we look a lot at look at a lot of those measurements, and we do share that with the, with the agencies and also within our organization to say, hey, this headline worked or this topic worked. Um, it did really well. We can see very easily within the content, what are people consuming uh, and how are they consuming that content? And that informs our different departments on things that they might want to do. Martin, I know one of the things you talk about often when you give speeches and uh, and conferences and and panels is is your kind of frustration with many social folks kind of to the point you're, you're just talking about. T- focusing more on the yesterday and the, and the now rather than kind of you know what we, we call the Wayne Gretzky you know s- you know skate to where the puck is going. Do you think as it relates to to measurement and showing that ROI, are you know our folks kind of our colleagues in this industry are are they looking forward enough and really driving that ROI or is that still kind of a mysterious kind of f- smoke and mirrors foggy foggy zone. You know, some are, but it's challenging. I've had a couple things happen just recently that, you know, you you walk away and you just kind of scratch your head. Um, I did a talk just a couple of weeks ago, uh, and someone approached me afterwards, and one of the slides was talking about banner ads. And I think I mentioned that you're more likely, because of the attention span of a goldfish, that you're more likely to have a goldfish click on your banner ad than a human being. Um, and they came up to me afterwards and said, listen, if I had known, I'd brought a couple clients here today, and if I had known you were going to talk like this about the, the banner ads, I wouldn't have brought them. 
Um, Whoops. Yeah, excuse me. I'm sorry. But but why? They said, well, that's a lot of what we're doing with them. That's a big part of their mix. I said, well, maybe you shouldn't be upset about that. Maybe you should be looking at adding some other things to the mix. Um, But so, so... they obviously knew the situation with banner ads and the click-through rates and all those kind of things, but they weren't moving their client or informing their client, educating them, and moving them to something that was going to work better for them. Um, and so they were upset with me. Uh, another one that I ran into was 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 talking to some folks at an agency um, that, that were at a conference, and we got into a discussion of, about Twitter, and they were telling me about you know the the, the what they're doing with the reach on Twitter, why they really love Twitter. But as you dealt, got into the details of it, they weren't really providing the, the accurate information. They were providing to their clients information on potential reach, potential impressions, uh, and those type of things, rather than what the actual impressions that they were getting off Twitter and the actual reach that they were getting and the, and, and the things of that nature. And I see a lot of people doing that. And I think there's gonna, there comes a point where you have to really let go of you know, the, the false assumptions that we had about social media two or three years ago, where it was going to go, and that we were you know, always going to be able to reach you know, people in, in, in their feeds, that people wanted to hear from brands, um, that organic reach was going to continue to be incredible for us, and it wasn't going to cost us a thing. Uh, I think people have to have those honest discussions with their leadership and within their organization and with their clients to say, look, it's not exactly what we thought it was, but it's still pretty good. And here's what it is. And here's what we need to be doing. Um, and really moving people into the right thing. So whether it be reliable reach or paid social media and, and, and things of that nature, but really having those honest discussions. If they're not having those honest discussions now, eventually they will. And it won't be an educational discussion. It'll be a defense discussion where they're really defending, well, here's why I did this for the last year and here's how I'm going to fix it. And so I think it's important for them to have the discussions now on their terms and really help and work with their, with their, with their organizations and with their clients. Is, is the holy grail for measurement, you know, kind of stacked measurement where, you know, you Certainly, we all know as marketers and communicators, you have to use multiple channels and multiple platforms and the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. But we're still kind of on the back end from a measurement standpoint, still looking at email and social and digital and traditional and outdoor and all those kind of separately with their own ROIs, their own KPIs and their own metrics. Is there a, is there a point, Martin, that you see that we're going to be going more towards kind of the holy grail of some sort of stacked efficacy? I, I think I think you have to. You know, you, you mentioned email, and, and to me, email the you know the original and still the greatest content marketing there is. Uh, social media. I was we just sent an email out, and I just looked. We had a thirty four percent open rate. And I'm thinking, wow. where can I, where else can I get that right now? Yeah. You know, thirty four percent of the people that I want to see my content saw it, uh, or at least click through to open it. Um, so absolutely, I think that you have to really look at. Uh, you know, you have to take those various tactics and look. Marketing goes back to a lot of the basics. Um, it's reach, it's impressions, it's contacts, it's leads, it's how many people do we activate and actually get to go on beyond the content and, and actually convert. So it's interesting that um, you know that's where marketing was just a few years ago. We got into the things with social media and got into a lot of the vanity metrics around fans and followers, and that was very exciting. But it's almost like we've come full circle back now to what are the things that really matter to marketers and to businesses. Selling Jolly Ranchers is what really matters. Absolutely. And we're, I, I'll give them a call as soon as we get off here and apologize. <laughs> this week's sponsor, Jolly Ranchers, Sour Apple, and also the watermelon flavor. 
Um, I'm sure I'm sure they have some sort of parent company. We need to look that up. Who is the actual manufacturer of the of the ranchers? I suspect they are not an independent company. We'll we'll put our best people on that. Uh, the the actual sponsors of this week's show, of course, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, who have the eternal wisdom of employing Adam Brown. They continue to pay him week after week, uh, much to my um, amazement. You, you and me both, my friend. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, so by the time you hear this, actually, the day that you hear this, for those of you who listen to new shows every Tuesday when they're released, uh, the same day that you hear this, Adam and I will be together at uh, Salesforce Connections uh, in Atlanta. Uh, we're going to do a little speech, and then we're also going to do a live episode uh, of this exact podcast recording uh, together uh, at uh, Salesforce Marketing Cloud's Connections uh, an amazing event. We're going to tell you all about it and all the details uh, in our next show when we're out there. But if you get a chance, uh, make sure you probably won't get a chance to do it this year, but put it on your calendar for next year. Connections, one of the finest events for marketers in the land, salesforce.com slash connections. Salesforce.com slash connections is the place to go. Put it on your calendar for 2017 if you don't get a chance to see us uh, this time. Adam, any additional content or uh, context or color commentary on connections? Well, I am. I am so forward, so looking forward to uh, to Jay's uh, one of his his keynotes on hug your haters, which is just going to be phenomenal, and I think it's really going to resonate with the marketers and communicators and technologists in the room. And then, as Jay said, we're going to be sitting down with Susan Etlinger, uh, analyst, industry analyst from Altimeter Group, who has some just really great insights on um, on on social as it relates to privacy, on how businesses are using social data much in the way, Martin, we've been talking to you uh, this this afternoon about, about how we can inhale and exhale content and, again, make things actionable on, on both ends of the spectrum. So it should be a fantastic uh, uh, three days in, uh, in Atlanta. Looking forward to it. It is going to be great. Also this week, uh, the show brought to you by our friends at Yext. So if you have a store locator on your website, not everybody does, but many of you do have a store locator, um, is that doing things for your business or is it just kind of slapped together as many of them are? Our friends at Yext want to help you turn your store locator into a marketing force that turns searchers into actual visitors, people who walk through your threshold, learn how to optimize your store locator, boost your local SEO, and win those near-me searches that you find in Google Mobile. Uh, they have a brand new white paper, really useful stuff. I learned a lot uh, when I downloaded and read this one. You should check it out. Uh, it's at offers.yext.com slash store locators. That's offers.yext.com slash store locators. Really interesting stuff there. Uh, if you didn't get that URL, just go to socialpros.com. Look at the show notes for this episode and you will find a link directly. Speaking of which, uh, our also a sponsor this week, our good friends at Emma, who have done a bunch of research on what actually gets people to click. We've been talking with Martin about calls to action, having your social and your content actually do something for your business instead of just relying on vanity metrics and impressions. Uh, some, some interesting research from Emma about what things actually generate those kind of clicks. They put together a project called The Simple Psychology Behind a Great Call to Action. And it's research like what kind of color should your submit button be? What should that submit button say? Should you have your button centered left or right? All these little things that we don't think about, but in aggregate, they can make a big difference on your conversion rate, your click-through rate, etc. Uh, interesting stuff. Check it out at myemma.com slash click. That's myemma, E-M-M-A, dot com slash click. Thanks, as always, to our fantastic sponsors. Mr. Adam Brown, back to you. 
Thank you, Jay and Martin. We are so excited to have you on this uh, show. Martin Jones, uh, Senior Marketing Manager for, for Cox. And I want to talk a little bit about your, uh, your background. But first, I want to go back to one of the things that you were talking about with Jay at the, at the opening of our podcast. And that is this amazing idea for this Get Started uh, podcast and, and other program that you're doing going around the country and really kind of doing a, a, a mini Shark Tank. So I'm, I'm going to take a question that's a little bit different here. But sure. I am a huge Shark Tank fan. I mean, I just I watch that show religiously. Um, I just, it's it's a fantastic show. Mark Cuban is one of my heroes. Uh, my question for you, and this is kind of out of right field, but why do you think these shows like your Get Started and Shark Tank are so popular? You know, one of the reasons that reality programming, I believe, is so popular is because people love sometimes to see other people fail or do things kind of. With, with, with challenge or, or difficulty, but with Shark Tank and with your program, it's really celebrating the success. Somebody has a great idea and they present it masterfully, and the, and they get the dollars. So, why? What do you have? What have you learned? You said you've now recorded five of these Get Started programs. What have you learned, kind of about the program, the chemistry, and and what makes that concept so successful? You know, it's it's interesting. I think it's a couple of things. Um, one would definitely be from what I see, not only from the people that are pitching there, but also from the audience. I have a lot of opportunity to just talk to the, the, the people that are attending these uh, these these meetings uh, or these events afterwards. And I find out that uh, the, the most of them are either in startups themselves or have a small business or thinking about it. You know, they're working in a company, they're thinking, I'm going to get out of this, I'm going to start my, my own thing. And what they're really going for and really watching the show for is uh, that, that silver bullet or that little golden nugget. What can I pull from this? Can I get that one idea that's going to really be a catalyst in my business or from my startup? And they watch it and they want to listen and hear that. And I think a lot of times you do get this. Um, they also are learning um, learning how to pitch. I think that's one of uh, one of the other things uh, that we hear a lot is they want to come in and see how did other people pitch their business? How do they answer the questions? How did they respond um, to the difficult questions in front of an audience? And so, really, it's a learning experience for them. And I believe that has to do a lot with a lot of it. Um, if people are getting ready to go out and you know and pitch their idea or pitch their startup to investors, uh, then to watch Shark Tank and watch others do that and see, oh, this worked for him. This worked really well. And that's really aligns with what, what I what I want to say. I'm going to use that. I think it's that opportunity. Where else can you go out and kind of get that education right now? Great answer. And and to that point, Martin, um, as, as you look at your career and kind of how you got to uh, to this fantastic role that you have now, and the opportunity to go speak in front of hundreds and thousands of, of, of people, if you had to kind of look back and prioritize, okay. I am going to kind of, to your point, I'm really going to spend a lot of my kind of educational quotient on becoming a better presenter, a better pitch person, or I'm going to take that same effort and I'm going to focus really on being a much more effective writer. So, you know, again, it's all about communication, but it's a communication whether we're going to do it on paper and on, on screen or kind of in first person. What would your recommendation be to, to people who are listening right now and, and why? Well, that's 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 a 
That's a great question. Um, both of those are areas where I really, you know, struggle and want to learn more. Um, and I think that, um, you know, going to the conferences and learning from the different people, I learn every time uh, that I attend another conference, I, it's, I take that as a learning opportunity. And I think like attending like social media marketing world uh, and, and these different conferences is that's how you're going to get like your MBA in social media or social media marketing these days. Um, I don't know that it's actually taught at a university or the things that you really need to know. So, you know, picking up books when it comes to writing very simple books, you know, Anne Hanley's Everybody Writes is, is one that I've got sitting right in front of me. Uh, and it's a very quick read, but it's something that I constantly... Great book. Yeah. I constantly just go back and look because for me, I'm not, I don't see myself as a strong writer. Uh, and so I'm constantly trying to learn and, and, and trying to figure, the, figure those things out. Um, I see somebody like, um, oh gosh, uh, uh, Michael Port's got this book out, Steal a Show right now, um, which is great for speaking. I think regardless if somebody's brand new or very advanced, there's just an incredible amount of knowledge that he's put into that. Uh, and so, in, so going back and looking at those things and saying, you know, how do I get better? I, you know, I'm missing this right here. This is the piece that I'm missing. I really need to work on that. Um, but I would, I would say there's, you know, continue to learn in training. Uh, it's one of the best speakers I, I've seen uh, was a man by the name of Jason Womack. And, and Jay's incredible too. I, the, I try to watch other people and say, you know, how, how are they doing it? But I got a chance to, to, to talk to, to Jason after, after a conference once, after I saw him speak, I said, you know, how did you get so good at speaking, uh, so polished. And, and, you know, he had mentioned, he said, look, I didn't do it on my own. I went out and got coaches. I stood in front of people and had them tell me, here's what you're doing wrong. Here's how to make that better. And it really is, it's, it, it's, it's a profession, both the writing and the speaking. And it's something that you have to learn and you're not going to learn it overnight. Some people are gifted with it and very natural. Uh, but, but most of them, a lot of them are like myself and they're not. And it's something you really have to learn and practice and hone. Hey, I mean, I spend a bunch of money on speech coaches for myself, and I do it 65 times a year, and I'm still investing all the time in, in professional coaching uh, because you're never, you're never as good as you can be, right? You, you, can always, uh, you can always get better. In fact, uh, Michael Port has been somebody who has actually helped me uh, quite a bit among a number of people, but he's been, uh, been great. We did a, an episode of Social Pros with Michael Port about speaking and how it applies to social media um, uh, a couple of months ago, and Ann Handley has been, uh, been on the show twice, uh, once around her book Everybody Writes and once uh, previously. So if you want to uh, listen to those episodes, go to socialpros.com, go through our archives, and you can find some amazing content uh, from both of those leaders. What great, great insights and, and two great, uh, just, just like you, Martin, two great guests on, on the program. I want to ask you one last question before I, before I hand the reins back over to, uh, to Jay. And this is kind of around your background. I know that you spent some time working for the Department of Homeland Security as, uh, as a part of their bloggers roundtable. And I have to commend you uh, just because you know, that is one of those types of roles. And we've all had these roles in our careers that's almost thankless. You know, nobody you know, gets on a, uh, on a plane and celebrates the fact that you know, the TSA did their job well and that there was no you know, issue or incident. Um, that, that never happens. So, you know, being in a communications or PR role, um, you know, for, for something like that is, is, is indeed, uh, always, always a challenge to, to get, get, to get fired up. Any, any insights you can, can, you can share with us, uh, kind of from that experience, um, from just DHS in particular, or when you are kind of stuck in those situations with thankless jobs? 
Well, you, you know, it's, it's interesting because I have to tell you, two of the people that I met while in that position as a, as a Homeland Security blogger, um, one of them I had an opportunity to just see in San Diego a couple weeks ago, who was also involved in kind of the, back in the uh, in the Y2K days, which is, was kind of the catalyst oh, yeah. into that, was Michael Hyatt. Um, and uh, and he had been involved in like Y2K and Y2K preparedness and writing books on that. And I'd met him years before. And now to see some of these people kind of transition. But I would say it's the connections and the people that I met. So I ended up... Um, I ended up going to the first, uh, oh gosh, uh, Blog World uh, conference in in Las Vegas, the very first one that they had um, as a Homeland Security blogger. And the only reason I went is because on the site that we had at the t- time, on the National Terror Alert site, um, every time we made a change to that website, we had like the header or the footer of the page, we had to change every individual page. <laughs> and... <laughs> And it was a job, you know, hundreds of pages. It might take a week to do. And so a friend of mine said, hey, there's this company that's coming out. It's called WordPress. And you can change the header or the footer in one place, and it will change it on all the pages automatically. I'm like, I've got to learn about this. So I went online. I'm trying to find them. And they said, we're going to be at this show called Blog World in Las Vegas. You should really try to make it out there. I only went there because I wanted to be on WordPress. I wanted this. I wanted this. Whatever it was, I knew I wanted it. And I got out there and I saw a guy speaking for the very first time, Chris Brogan. And he was talking about blogging, what blogging was going to do and what it, where it was going to go and all these things. And I walked out of there and I said, this is what I want to do, but I don't want to talk about Homeland Security anymore. I want to get into marketing. I want to get into blogging. This is, this is going to be an exciting time the next few years. And that was really like a catalyst for me of I, I want to do this and I, this is going to be big and I want to be part of it. Man, that's fantastic. I love, I love those old, old school stories uh, from when everybody got started uh, on this side of the business. That's spectacular. We are, as I mentioned earlier, on episode 215 of this show, and we have, um, we have asked everybody the same questions. I'm going to ask them of you as well, Martin. Uh, the first question is, what one tip would you give somebody looking to become a social pro? Oh boy, that's a great question. Um, I, I would say, you know, chart your course and be willing to take risks. If there's a platform or a tactic that appeals to you, um, try it out and just never stop learning, never stop trying things. Um, you really have to learn to move at the speed of social. If if you don't, it moves fast and it's easy to get run over. So I'd say it doesn't, you know, matter really how big your brand is or or, or what you did last year, or what you did last month. It's really learning what direction is the market going now and be a part of that, um, and not trying to play catch up later on. And I would say social media and being a social media pro, it's not a, a job or position where you can you know sit on the sidelines and kind of just watch it. You really have to be in the game. And you have to be playing all the time. Yeah, well said. Isn't that the truth? Uh, last question for you, Martin Jones, Senior Marketing Manager, Cox Communications. If you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be and why? Wow. Um, an, an oral surgeon, perhaps? Okay. Is that, yes, is that yes. <laughs> a couple of them right now would be good. Um, yeah, I've been really blessed and fortunate in my life and my career that I've had an opportunity to meet and speak with um, a lot of the people that I would mention here for, for various reasons. Um, so I would say the one person that I really would want to speak to is somebody I've thought about over the last couple of years, and, and that'd probably be my high school wrestling coach up in Oregon. His name was Bob Bizard. Um, if you ask why, I would say it's not that um, I was a standout wrestler by any means. I don't know. For, you know, he was my coach for like three and a half years, but I don't know that he'd even remember me. Um, but, you know, I love the sport. I did it for a number of years. And the reason I think I want I would want to talk to him is to really thank him. He used to give us these personal talks at practice where we'd be out running. You'd actually take us out to his house and have us, you know, chop wooden things, and he'd be talking to you. And when he 
came by to talk to you, he, he had this way of just like looking you right in the eye at that moment. And you knew what he was saying was just for you. And it was something you should file away and take with you for the rest of your life, because there's going to be points in your life when you need it. And I just learned so much from this man and, and that I still carry with me today. He taught, um, he taught us about winning, but more importantly, you know, he taught us a lot about losing. He would say, look, you're not going to learn a lot from winning, but where you are going to learn is every time you lose, you're going to learn from that. That's invaluable. And losing is going to make you better. I never thought of things in those kind of terms, especially, you know, as a, as a high school t- student. Um, and he taught us about, you know, taught me a lot about desire and passion. And he always talked about how he said, I, he's, you know, for me in particular, he said, look, you don't have the skill level or the experience, but if you can get the desire and the passion, that will overcome the skills and experience that you lack. And so I still carry all of those things with me today. And it's still lessons that I share. And one of the most important ones is ones that I, I tweeted out still. I, you know, and this comes from high school and I tell it to my kids. And he always used to say, um, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And that was something that's always stuck with me. That's yeah, great. Man, that's, that's so fantastic. Uh, I feel like that is a saying that I need to repeat, repeat to my kids maybe in the next 10 minutes. And also, I feel like if there's a way I could get people to come over here and chop wood and call it a team, I would totally <laughs> do that as well. Uh, so there's different levels of brilliance uh, to that man, I think. <laughs> I think we can do that's that. True. We got a pretty awesome production staff here. Uh, I'm pretty sure we could get your uh, high school wrestling coach on Social Pros. We, we have that kind of technology here. He's, he's an amazing man. I mean, Ira, I Gla- Ira Glass, no, like, but you're a wrestling coach. Ira, Ira Glass is perhaps beyond our capabilities. Maybe not. We could maybe give it a shot. Uh, okay, we're going to do that. That's going to be our gift to you, Martin. We're going to step that okay. up. We'll, we'll do some sort of Periscope uh, reunited. That'd be awesome. I love That'd it. be amazing. It really would. Thanks so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Congratulations with all the success at, at Cox. We could talk to you for hours and hours because I know there's so much depth to the program that you're uh, running there. Thanks again for being uh, part of the panel that we did together at Social Media Marketing World. That was a lot of fun. You were terrific as expected. Uh, hope to see you uh, in Phoenix, either this trip or my next trip, which will be in July. Be great to catch up out there as well. Next week on the show, as mentioned, live from connections in atlanta it's adam and i on the mic in the same room with susan etlinger from altimeter group that is going to be a good one as mentioned earlier uh, we've got scott harrison from charity water on the show uh live when i'm in new york in a couple weeks after that and a bunch of other great guests it's going to be a terrific summer uh here at social pros thanks to all of you for your support as always uh, adam and i appreciate each and every one of you until next week, he is Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud. I am Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. And this, my friends, this has been Social Pros. Thanks for tuning in to Social Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, Emma, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and by Yext and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Social Pros at marketingpodcasts.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by audiobag.com.